Welcome to another edition of the Heron Outlet. She is Alex Winley. He is Austin Robillard. I am Ian Hest. We will all be joined together in a moment in what has become a very exciting day, um, for better or for worse, with Inter-Miami. A, a lot of decisions have been made, contracts extended, contracts not extended, um, contracts options exercised, none. So, uh, guys, let, let's just start there looking into 2022 we know that the sanctions are coming uh we we know the situation of of how this season went we knew that there was going to be a lot of turnover happening with inter miami uh georgia costa the big name probably that surprised a lot of people surprised me at least uh that that was the big name that wasn't retained ventura alvarado Dylan Castaneda, Jay Chapman, Sammy Gadiri, Kelvin Leardom, Josh, John McCarthy, Josh Penn, Patrick Segris, Victor Uoa, the uh, contracts that were declined, the ones that were out of contract, I think were kind of obvious. Uh, Frederico Higuain, who we knew retired, uh, Breck Shea, who was an obvious free agent, and Indy Vasilev, who was on a loan deal and and you know there there is interest from the club to see him return we'll see how that plays out but just the, the team currently has 19 players under contract as of this uh recording so um not a lot uh not even enough to have a full salary cap right so uh we we know that there's more changes coming i said on twitter earlier that i predict half of that 19 probably uh, won't even return. So, uh, lo- looking into that as we start this conversation, um, I, let, let's just go by bit by bit. Austin, I'll let you have the floor, and and maybe we can kind of start from there as as like a, you know, deal or no deal sort of situation. I think that's a that's a good idea, and if we're going to do that, I uh, prefer to go alphabetical. So let's start at the top with one of the young guys who is uh, under a guaranteed contract. Um, one of the few players who have signed from the academy, Edison Azcona, um, got a couple of minutes in the beginning of the season. For me, I mean. It's like a feel-good story, and it's also a player who just scored for the Dominican national team, got a couple of you 20 minutes as well. It was actually a 94th-minute equalizer he scored the other night, um, and he was extremely happy on Twitter. Uh, He posted this long, heartfelt message. That was amazing to see for a very young athlete um, in his career. As for Edison Ascona, is it a guy that you guys see can get more minutes than he did last year? Is his developmental process moving at a pace that that you guys like yes yes i think he's he's uh i think he's um grown enough physically and mentally and uh technically to to get some good minutes next season um even with fort lauderdale cf he was one of the better players so seeing him play so well for the dominican republic under 20 national team it's it's not a shock and um neville did mention he does want the roster to get younger and i do believe that escona is probably going to be one of the main guys uh going into next season you know maybe picking up some uh you know rotational minutes maybe starting a couple of games having a bigger impact than uh what he did uh this season so um yeah i'm really excited for him um i know MLS is a league where you don't need to rely on older DPs to get 
a good, you know, uh, you know, output from them. So a guy like Ascona, if he's able to hit his potential, it could be huge for Inter Miami because he's on a low salary. He's a homegrown player. He's an academy kid, and it'll only be beneficial for uh, the club. Everybody is sleeping on Eddie Ascona. Everybody, like literally the entire country is entirely sleeping on this kid. I, it, he was one of the first guys that that got into first team training. Remember how many times Phil talked about how the USL guys were getting into first team training. Eddie Ascona was that first guy early in the year, back in March, that was that was that guy. And so, yes, though everybody is sleeping on this kid. I am so high on him. I think that he's the next big thing, and I can't wait to see what he's about to do. I think if we look back at our preferences and predictions on our uh, Twitter, I think I, I put him in. I, I, I think I we, I think we all put him in more times yeah. than we could have imagined. <laughs> like, they, like if you add up those numbers and, and how many times we all put him in, like it's, it's probably a shocking number to some, but at the same time, like we were calling for it and um, you know, it was more of a, okay, let's give him time at Fort Lauderdale. CF this season, let him play, get minutes while not being, if he's not ready, it won't be a detriment to, to the first team, whatever. And I think it's worked out. It's panned out. He's now having good, uh, good reps with his international team and, and I think that Escona is, like you guys said, definitely a player to watch. The next player on the list um, is actually a goalkeeper. There's only two goalkeepers on this 19-player roster that they have at the moment. This one is Drake Callender. Now, before I talk about Callender, I want to talk a little bit about Castanera, who did leave. But during the season, he went on loan to San Diego Loyal, meaning I think him getting minutes in the USL championship and the club letting him get minutes in the USL championship was better for his career because now there are eyes on him as a potential candidate for other, uh, maybe let's say USL championship teams. So I'm happy to see that for Castanier as for calendar. It just looks like he's won the backup battle. Is that, is that what you guys think too? Does that ring true for you guys? I, I think so. I think that Drake has, has performed at least in training from the training that we've seen, like seen that, that he is, is the guy um, I would have liked to see more of Castaneda. I like I liked him, and and it's tough to sort of marginalize goalkeeping. It, it's a very difficult position to to assess. Um, but I, I I like Drake as well. He's a little bit of a a more physically bigger goalkeeper than the rest. Um, that that. You know, we've talked a lot about Marsman being a little bit uh, difficult this year with his dish. Like he, he's good in his distribution, but he's bad in his uh, handling of crosses. And and that's sort of been the, the, the crux of it. You know, Drake doesn't really deal with that. Drake is more of a, a, a bigger sort of type. I, I would have liked to have seen more of Castaneda. I don't feel like we've seen enough of him to have made the decision that eh, it's not working. But yeah, I mean, it, Drake is the guy moving forward. And I think that we all need to sort of like come to that realization. And really quickly, it's not John McCarthy who, who did say his basically goodbye to the club. And now it's been confirmed that his option was declined. Um, I will just say this at the beginning of the season before Marsman was signed, I thought that 
McCarthy was like, okay, you know what? We can be content with this guy at the back. And then they go in and bring Nick Marsman on a relatively small deal. And that was almost, I would say, genius from the club because we know the quality keeper that that Marsman is. And if you have a young keeper and Drake Callender behind him to learn and develop, I think that that's really good. Uh, Castanera does have a couple of years on Callender. I think that might have played a factor as well. Yeah, I think um, Drake, uh, seeing him for Fort Lauderdale CF as well, I think he's more than good enough to be the backup for for Miami at this point. Um, I know this is like out of the blue, but Clement Diop did train with the team, so I'm wondering what they will do with that. He, uh, You know, will he sign? I don't know. It remains to be seen, but as far as calendar goes, yeah, he's he's good enough to be the number two. Uh, like Austin said, he's um, only 24, and, you know, he can learn from Nick Marsman, and, you know, let's say in a couple years' time, Miami decides to move on from Nick. Uh, Drake can easily step in and be that uh, starting goalkeeper for Miami. So, uh, yeah, not a lot, not a not a big shock um, there. Um, yeah, I'm excited to see him get more minutes next season. I know Martin Marshman does have a knee injury. Uh, he'll be back before the start of the season. It's just a um, a knee contusion, so it's basically a, a bruise, I believe. So, um, yeah, I'm excited for Drake. Uh, he did really well with Fort Lauderdale, and um, uh, I'm not I'm not at all shocked that. That he'll he'll end up being the number two keeper next season. Yeah, as for Diop, um, I think that the word originally when he first started training was trialing for the club, and that had went on from like right when Montreal released him and Montreal left training at Drive Pink Stadium, and then all the way through the end of the season, like he was there on the last available training day that media had. I saw him there with Ken McCarthy. <laughs> He, the thing is with Diop, I, I believe the reason he might've gotten released from CF Montreal, now you guys can quote me if I'm wrong, if you know more about this, but I think he was on a little bit more money than they might've wanted. Um, he is a lot older than uh, the other guy that they had on the roster, as well as, you know, if Inter Miami are going to try and bring him in, do you really want to have two of your international roster spots on goalkeepers? Is that something that, that you, I think that's something you have to ponder going forward. Do you waste any of your international roster spots on? Yes, they can be traded and acquired. However, wasting two on a goalkeeper, especially one who's older, who's only going to be a backup um, and might demand more money than you can imagine, just doesn't seem like the best idea. Good to have him in training, good to have him trialing, but looking at what they've already done with this roster in Miami, it just doesn't seem like Diop is the direction that they're trying to go. I completely disagree with everything you just said. I, I don't think it matters at all. I, I really don't. I don't think that it matters at all. I, I think that Diop is, is actually a good thing, especially if you think about it in terms of Drake being the future goalkeeper of this club. If, if, Nick Marsman's going to be the next two, three years, and then Drake's going to be that after it, absolutely spend the roster spot on him. I, I, I don't think that there's any, any solace in doing that. I, I, I think that there's so, it's so easy to do. Is there not another goalkeeper, though, that you could potentially get on less money who's a little bit younger that you wouldn't have to but like I mean, now you're splitting hairs right like right but at the same i just i it just depends on on diop's demands first off and then i think that with the way they want to i we're we're expecting a lot of roster turnover right obviously and we're going to get into that with more players i just think that diop could the signing of diop could be a detriment to 
some availability for any other player. And also, like, I don't want to, like, I don't think that we should be spending this much time on backup goalkeeper talk. Like, you know what I mean? Like, this is what we do at the Heron Outlet, baby. We get all the way down <laughs> like, and dirty. <laughs> uh, like, okay, like, I'm fine with it. I don't, it doesn't really bother me. And he doesn't, he's not going to take up, Yeah, I think that you think he's going to take up more salary than he's going to. I don't think that he's going to really affect any of this stuff moving forward. Okay. I mean, fair enough. We'll, we'll see what happens, but that's definitely something to keep an eye on, especially for how long he was training with the club. Um, the next player on the list, the, la- the last uh, C last name here is Julian Carranza, our favorites on $750,000 a year has only scored three goals in his two year career with inter miami so far he is under contract and i will remind you that he has let every single person know about those three goals oh 100 percent. he <laughs> yes um so julian carranza uh this is a guy who's here on a lot of money and not contributing the way you want somebody on a lot of money to contribute let's let's dive into this carranza situation should the club and will the club try and move him on if possible because he's taking a lot of salary obviously that six hundred twelve thousand dollars plus the tam money i mean there's a lot to look at there um what what do we do about about julian carranza sell him or trade him within the league i don't know I, I don't know you know the playoffs will happen teams will be looking for strikers or backup strikers he's on a lot of money but with the right team i do think that he can be good it's just not with miami you know let's See how the offseason goes. You know what MLS team will be desperate enough to trade. I know there are a lot of MLS teams that aren't willing to trade with Miami just because you know their rival and the predicament that Miami got themselves into. They won't be open to doing business with them. But I think if there's an MLS team that you know maybe doesn't want to spend a DP spot on a semi decent backup striker, I suppose they'll trade for Carranza here uh, in Miami. I I just think that. Ugh, it's just going back to early 20, uh, like late 2019, early 2020, where they went into this, you know, philosophy of buying young players and Kranz and Pellegrini were the two to do and McCoon were the three players to, to be a part of that. And then after that 0-5 start, you know, they decided to, you know, flip the switch and go the elder European uh, player route. And it just, you know, it left Carranza and Pellegrini to an extent in just a no man's land wondering what they're going to do. So you spent all this money on their potential, not necessarily their output. And now Miami stuck with, you know, Carranza who's scored, you know, what three, three goals in, in two years for Miami. And it's, it's just not, it's not good enough. Like if you compare him to someone like Mitch Curry, who had, what was it? 10, nine goals in you know, the USL league one and Sean Hundal as well, you know, they're much more prolific in their goal scoring. They're much more direct. And, you know, if Miami were to bring them up to the first team, they'll be on less money too. So there's just, with the sanctions coming up, like, you know, Kronza, if he was scoring goals, we I don't think we'd be having this conversation, but he's just on too much money to not score goals. So I, I do think Miami will look to move him on, maybe back to Argentina, Mexico, maybe to another MLS club. I don't know, but he's just on too much money to, to not score goals. Alex, you just hit the nail on the head. Like, I, I really, everything that I'm going to say is just going to be redundant at this point. Like, everything that you just said is exactly correct. Because, like, 
the situation is other people are performing well and he wasn't and he costs too much money and they cost less money and and when you're when you're playing economics with this that's just the way that it's gonna go i i think when it comes to carranza i don't see a buyer inside of mls i I don't really understand where that would come it would be nice because inter miami i think definitely wants to unload they have 19 players under contract right so like i think of of those 19 you're going to see a lot of people move but they're not going to want players in return they're going to want tam money because of the sanctions and so when you talk about that are you going to get tam money for carranza i don't know if i necessarily see that uh and and so high contracts not getting tam money in return uh, it gets me like kind of cagey and you know I, I, he's he's a wonderful guy uh, he, you know really um charismatic <laughs> i i think that i would say uh but but i think that that his future is not here in south florida and he definitely knows how to draw a foul. And that's my last statement on Julian Carranza. Um, yeah, I think you guys said said more than enough. He, he's uh, a player who just doesn't have the production uh, to match the wages that he's on. And if you can get him off the books, that's the only plan that you should have um, moving forward. As unfortunate as it is, because we were all pretty hyped about him, you know, when him and Pellegrini were coming over, but then the entire situation of 2020 uh, kind of screwed everything over. Well, but Austin, let's talk about that for a sec because those are the first two guys, right? Right. Like that that was the start and, of it all. It was Pellegrini right. and Carranza, right? And so they I spent, remember, um, they I spent remember a lot exact, of money. The exact moment when they signed, too, I, I remember the place and time where I was. And it was just a really surreal moment for the That club, was the exciting moment of yeah. all of this. And and it wound up just not... I, I, it's so embodying of everything that has happened. It's like... You, you look back at that moment in time and you think, wow, this was like very exciting. And then it all went wrong. And those two guys, for better or for worse, for the pressure that they deserve or the pressure that they don't deserve, are sort of the embodiment of that. Like that everybody thought this was going to go a certain way and it's gone the exact opposite. It was it was uh, high risk um, and obviously turned out to be low reward, uh, spending millions of dollars on transfer fee to get them from what was it Banfield and Independiente, and then the money that they were on in terms of their salaries, and that's the reason Pellegrini had to be bought out. We look at Carranza's; he's on seven hundred and fifty. Uh, Estudiante, sorry. Um, yeah, it's it's uh, definitely an embodiment of what this club has had to go through these last couple of years, and now. I mean, we're, we're all calling for a move on fully um, at this point going forward. Another player that I'm not going to necessarily say is on the fringe, but it's a player that I definitely like and I have actually had my back for um, throughout this season in terms of his comparison to another player is Nicolas Figal. Uh, another player who is on a high salary, uh, 20, what, seven-year-old defender, 28, maybe 26, around that area, prime of his career right now. Um, the Argentine has played a lot of minutes for Inter Miami uh, has put in a lot of solid performances and also has had some very interesting moments as well. I'll leave it at that word. Um, But we know what Nico Figal can bring. We know the quality center back slash right back that he is. Um, What do we do about what what does Inter Miami look 
at the situation and say, here's what we need to do. What, where, where do we go from here with Nico Figo? Okay, Austin, make the case. I'm gonna I'm gonna let you that you you can be the defense attorney in this case, and I will be the prosecution. Okay, so we'll just start by saying this: we're gonna skip the alphabetical thing for now. We're just gonna go LGP Figal. We're gonna we're just gonna do it okay. right here, flat out. So we're you're picking. I mean, like you're picking one, right? I'm picking one. I mean, no, yes. everybody's picking one. Everyone, one of, one picking of one. the two is like, like I think that we have sort of understood that one of the two is right. not gonna is not gonna return. Right, and that's also to do with the rise of Christian McCoon, who we will right, talk about course. later on. Um, but yeah, so Nico Figal versus LGP. Uh, book it down. This is going to be the battle of the century. For me, I'm 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 Nico Figal all the way, and this is why. One, he's younger. And it's only by a couple of years, so maybe that's a little insignificant, but I, I will I will take that. Two, the on the field temper that that they that they both show is is sometimes a detriment to the team. Um, not only have they both missed time uh, due to suspension and things like that, but LGP set the MLS record for accumulated yellow cards in a season uh this year i think it was around what 15 14 maybe 13 around that number uh sat out the 15 and he sat out uh for due to suspension i think that would put him on almost like four times three times this year at least uh and that's that's pretty insane to me to to, to be losing a player of his caliber at the back in a, in a time where we know our defensive situation was one that basically Phil had to cover up by switching formations to give them more cover. Um, for me, Nico Figal will stay on the field longer. I think that um, he, they, they're both very passionate players and they're both very, I would say they both have almost the same skill set, and it's very close in comparison, um, but to keep somebody who's younger and, doesn't do as much uh, uh, uncharacteristic plays on the field. I, I would take Nico Figal, especially because he's on less money um, by about two hundred and fifty thousand, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so that would that would help the TAM situation, especially with the sanctions, and that's kind of uh, where I, I'll leave that. Yeah, I agree. You you take Nico every day. Um, uh, I like LGP. He seems like a nice guy, but he's just on a lot of. It's it comes down to money. It's not anything personal. It just comes down to money, and, and you know, while his output has been you know good, like like Austin said, there's just he's always getting you know yellow cards and suspended, which hurts the team in the long run. And I know Figal has gotten suspended a couple times, but at the end of the day, you need your best players to you know keep their head on and stay on the pitch. So, uh, you know, as much as I, I, you know, money, it just comes down to money. LGP is making far too much. LGP has said that he would like to stay, though. So I don't know how big of a factor that will be. But as far as Figal goes, I, I would take him, you know, most of the time over LGP. I, I know um, Figal is a bit quicker than LGP and he's got better recovery speed and, and whatnot. But, you know, it, it just comes down to money at the end of the day. It's not so much of what what they bring to the team it's how much they be cost at this point so yeah it'll be yeah it's Figal all the way okay I'm gonna I'm gonna play the prosecution here now 
Okay. I pulled up my stats and here we go. They're basically the same on pressures, right? But interceptions, LGP 88, Figal 60. Interceptions and tackles, LGP 155, Figal 119. Clearances, LGP 120, LGP 82. So if they're basically the same when they are you know, in the defensive third, but they're producing that, I'll take LGP and and pay that money every single day. Despite, I, let me, let how me much jump of in this really has quick. to do with, like, playing style, though? And, you know, the okay, defense. That's feet. fair. That's fair. But if they're playing the same position, then, like, can I, we, I like what LGP is doing for me. Can we put these numbers into perspective, though? Because I believe, despite the suspensions, Figal did deal with a lot of injury this year. And I think he probably played about 600 less minutes than LGP. Of course he um, did. So, but why? But, but that's because he's getting suspended. <laughs> no, no, I'm saying no. LGP was getting suspended this year and, and still, still played still producing more uh, with 600 more minutes. If Figal didn't get those minutes, he's missing 600 minutes. That's what I. That's my point here. If you, those numbers are, are all pretty close in comparison. And then if you wanted to to, to take it you know, interceptions per minute or pressures per minute, whatever it is. I think that it would probably be even closer than we imagined. LGP has played more time on the field in 2021 than Figal has. Mm, I will say that Inter Miami's, I don't know. I, when I meant by playing style, I meant that, you know, there are a lot of times Miami would sit in bunker and just have less of the ball. So that in turn would, you know, require defenders to defend more. So, I mean, that could bump up their stats a little bit in regards to that. Let's say if they were playing, you know, a more attacking style, I don't think that, you know, interceptions and clearances would be that high just because they'd have more of the ball and be attacking. But um, yeah, it, I don't know. It's just, we know that Figo has interest from other leagues. So, you know, which makes it so much easier though. Yeah, Alan, that's true. It? Like, I mean, so I just looked it up. He has 600 more minutes played. LGP had 600 more minutes more played this year, but like Figal, like the, the Figal to Tigris thing, it just kind of like makes it's there. sense. Like it, yeah, it's if already it's, there that like, if it's there and you're able to offload him for an amount that you are happy with, you, yeah, you, you do it a hundred percent, a hundred percent. I'm not, uh, that's no disrespect to anybody. Right. I'm just saying you're going to keep one. You're going to get rid of the other. If you have yeah. this dish that's already been cooked, why are you not going to just eat your meal? Like, why are you going to create a problem where Figal comes back, LGB has to go, and you have to find a suitor for him. Like you already have this thing here set up. True, Why and we don't know. Do yeah, we don't know how likely other MLS teams are even outside the league. They're likely to receive, you know, LGP and his salary and his transfer. And yeah, I, I suppose that makes sense. But hmm. yeah, as far as players go, like I take Figal just because he makes everything feel less shaky at the back and that's no disrespect to lgp he's a good, good player you know like he was former best 11th for atlanta united like you know that the mlssoccer.com piece we talked about but you know money wise yeah it, yeah it, it just depends really you know like if he you know if figal when figal goes you know you know you take that but no let's see let's see what happens really really quickly so with with Figal and LGP, they both have a tendency to drive the ball up the field. You were talking about playing style, Alex. They both have this tendency to drive the ball up the field and lose it all the time. 
right? And I think that they both have shown that characteristic, and it actually costs uh, Miami, I believe, in that NYCFC game, if I'm not mistaken. That's when I think Figal lost it. Somehow James Sands ended up with the ball on the other end, and then that's when he played the pass to beat Matuidi, right? But that's but that's that's defenders getting forward, man. That's like, that, that's both. But I'm saying that that was that I'm I'm kind of I'm I'm going on your side here. I'm saying that that was a Figal mistake, and he had done that before, especially in that the first time that Phil experimented with the three center back formation was that first game this season against Montreal at home. That was, I believe a technically Montreal home game where they had the rain delay. Figal lost the ball in the corner twice in our own corner twice. And they ended up scoring from that corner um, after playing out of the corner twice, not a corner kick, but yeah, there was twice where he had done that and he had shown those characteristics to lose the ball in high pressure and volatile situations. And another thing with LGP as compared to Figal Remember that point in the season when we were looking at both of these guys and they were playing pinpoint passes from the halfway line and getting getting past LGP is a better passer. I will say that I, I think that LGP can play a better long ball than Figal, but the only time that that had really worked and ended up being a goal um, was the FC Cincinnati winner, if I'm not mistaken, Breck Shea, and that came from Nico Figal. So then you have to look at that too. It goes both ways. One, it's a one-off, man. Like It's like, a one-off, right, 100%. And, and, and I, I will say LGP is a better passer. And the, and the thing that I'm saying too is like Alex is talking about direct passing. Like direct passing is LGP's strong suit. So that that's why I that's why I'm the prosecution of it. He does like, like himself a line breaking pass. Him LGP. Are you are you okay with a two hundred fifty thousand dollar difference on the books? Yes, because it doesn't it doesn't really like affect me. It doesn't really impact me. The transfer okay. fee for Figal will, you know, probably offset the LGP wage. I I I, get, I believe so. Yeah, it, yeah, we could go all day about this, but there's definitely good arguments for both. All right, let's continue some center back talk here. We're we're done with the Figal LGP debate. We actually have no say in it, so don't don't look to us for any answers. Um, we're gonna move on to a young center back. Are you saying that you're not the general manager of Inter Miami? Unfortunately, unfortunately, doesn't that really suck? I wish I was. Henderson, give me a call. Um, so for four center backs, um, we're, we're, we're down to Ian Frey here, who unfortunately missed the 2021 season, whether it was for Inter Miami or Fort Lauderdale CF that he would have been playing for. We don't really know. It probably would have been Fort Lauderdale. However, uh, due to injury, I believe an ACL injury was uh, he missed the season, but he made a pretty speedy recovery. If if, uh, if I'm being told correctly, he was in training at some points during the season, um, and he's looking like he will definitely be ready for 2022. A young defender, Ian Frey, he's in that same category as Edison Ascona and Felipe Valencia, who we'll get to later. Uh, what do you guys think of him and the prospect of him? Can he be another McCoon type story? So as the resident Ian in the Heron outlet, uh, I'll just go first on this. Um, I like Ian Frey. I think that he's like a tall center back type. He, he's I'm almost kind of like a Ryan Shawcross. There, there was like talk about him helping him out over the course of the season. Um, I, I like him. I don't know how high the ceiling is, but I'm excited to see what possibly might come and to see if, if maybe like, when he goes through this process of, of what he is, if, if he's able to, to be a first team player. Yeah. I, I like Ian Frey too. Uh, one, uh, was it 
the year before this year. He was uh, a bit of a mainstay for Fort Lauderdale CF. He did play well. He's yeah, he's tall and lanky. He's got good feet. He's he's quick. He does like to put in a tackle. So um, I see him transitioning to MLS pretty pretty seamlessly. You know, he's a physical guy. So and you know, plus like Ian said about the Shawcross connection, they when they were both rehabbing from injury, they struck up a bit of a friendship. So um, I do think that. Um, yeah, he'll play well next season. Hopefully he recovers well. You know, knee injuries are a bit tricky, especially for for uh, defenders who are constantly running, you know, tackling, you know, just abusing their their, their legs. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see him. I'm a bit disappointed that he did get injured this season, but um, in 2022, he'll be back stronger. That, that we could definitely hope for. And if we have another story like McCoon uh, on the cards, that's something that would be uh, pretty beneficial for up given it's about to happen during this off season. Uh, we're going to stay at the back, not center backs this time, but we're moving on to a wing back here and Karen Gibbs. Now, Karen Gibbs was brought in from West Brom uh, during the middle of the season. Uh, his, I guess, highlight moment is that equalizing goal against Orlando in Orlando and around like the 67th minute, if I'm not mistaken, off of his head. Um, it was a beautiful header. And other than that, he didn't get many minutes because of injuries of his own, as well as only coming in halfway through the season. But uh, when MLS, the, player, the Players Association, released the, the salary numbers, we saw that Karen Gibbs was only brought in on a $120,000 base salary. Now, with that said, com- compared to the money he was making at West Brom and why West Brom friends were so mad that he was there taking all of their money, to have him here for only $120,000 is a pretty good deal. However, if you're not playing, it'll never, ever be worth it. What do you guys see for the future of Kieran Gibbs at this club? Can he be a piece at left back going forward? Or is it somebody that you say, you know what, you're older, we want to get younger, we need to figure out this roster going forward and not just for the right now? Uh, yeah, I, I think with with that, I uh, I don't know, Kieran, he's an interesting, yeah, I don't know, it's just, he's on not a lot of money, but he's he's injury prone, you know, so there are just swaths of the season where he just wasn't able to play, and yeah, I, he, when he was on the field, he was, he was quite good for Miami, I don't think anyone would debate that, but he's just, he, even when he was at um, West Brom, you know, like with West Brom, he was out for long periods of time, you know, he just struggled to stay fit. And, you know, he's a super nice guy. We've met him a couple of times, you know, at the, the Jersey sponsor unveiling. He's, you know, super nice guy. He's just, you know, super analytical and tact- tactically inclined. But yeah, I, I, I think that, I don't know. That's just tricky. Um, Maybe he'll be like, let's just have the conversation because yeah. we're all cagey about it. Like, yeah. why do you have Kieran Gibbs? Like, yeah. what, like, why, like, why just, just someone convince me why? Because at the moment you have no other left back on the roster. You had the injury to Jovan Jones. Um, you didn't fully trust Breck Shea because at times you needed him as a winger after the Robbie injury early on in the season. And then Sammy Gadiri got very limited minutes because Obviously, if you look at the options declined, he was probably declined for a reason. They probably didn't see as much in him. Kieran Gibbs was that. But is Gibbs giving you, is Gibbs returning on that investment? If, if, 
on a, if yeah, I mean, it was a, it was a free transfer, right. And he was just out of contract at West Brom during the summer. And then he joined July 1st. Right. And then he's only signed for $120,000, which is relatively small compared to a $4.9 million salary budget that you're going to have, um, in 2022. And if they are to make more moves, which is something that we are expecting, I wouldn't have Kieran Gibbs at the top of my list to say, let's get him moved. Um, I think that he could start if obviously this is all, all relevant on if he can be healthy, if he can stay healthy. And that is a huge question. But for me, if that is not a question, 1 million percent Kieran Gibbs is a starting left back in 2022. Um, however, 1 million percent, you think 1 million percent Kieran Gibbs, if, is, if Gibbs is healthy, if Gibbs, if Kieran Gibbs is healthy, if Kieran Gibbs is healthy and you're playing a four man back line at a four, two, three, one that Neville might want to do. I have Kieran Gibbs as my starter, but like I said, keep in mind, this has to I be, think he's a good healthy. player. I just don't think that like, this is necessarily a done deal. And I don't really know what he's been doing. Do we, like, I don't, I don't really know the contribution that, 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 that I guess like determines that recognition, that level of recognition. I would, I would say that maybe I'm, I'm leeching on to a little bit of his past. However, when he was on the field for Miami this year, I wasn't necessarily criticizing him as much as I had other left backs throughout the year. Um, McCoon at left back being one of those guys, Breck Shea at times when he would get up the field and defensively, he would have some, interesting decisions um i just think that kieran gibbs is not going to be the best inter miami starting 11 player like at all he'd probably be one of the bottom ones and he'd probably be one of the weakest links on the field however do you spend your money on the back line or especially at the left back position having kieran gibbs somebody who is going to just outright produce in my opinion he's going to be there he's going to be solid do you spend even more money to try and fix a problem that's not really a problem that's my question i think that's also why they're interested in bringing you know noah allen uh to the first team just because of you know and that's probably part of the reason why they didn't exercise sammy gadiri's contract Gadiri, yeah yeah, yeah it's because noah allen has been just like i'm not like on unbelievably good for Fort Lauderdale. Like, you know, he's like, I don't know what player to compare him to. Like, I don't want to say Marcelo because that's, you know, typical left back talk, but he's just really good at being a fullback, you know? So I think partly, you know, that's why Sam McGadiri hasn't been renewed. And, you know, that's why I think keeping Gibbs would be sort of like with Drake and Nick Marsman, you know, Gibbs can be here for another year and a half. Noah Allen, what he's 17, 18, you know, by the time he's 19, he should probably be a starter for inner Miami. So that's the only way I can see keeping Gibbs is Gibbs is a starter. Noah Allen is a backup. He gets sporadic game time next season, you know, Gibbs moves on, you know, the season after next season, then Noah Allen's a full-time starter. Then you, you know, repeat the process, bring another backup. So uh, yeah, it's just an intriguing left back left backs. Again, Miami's having this issue. Even last season, they had a left back issue. So Ben Sweat yeah. and Mikey Ambrose. Okay, yeah. but, but like, but that brings me up. That that, that brings up an interesting point because, like, Austin, I want to ask you. Like, you you have been very much the proponent of the four two three one and throughout the season, and so like, tell me what your back four looks like next year. 
I, it, my back four or a realistic back four? Like, do I have to be pragmatic? Like, I, mean, I don't know. Like, not like you're not predicting the lineup here, but what, what right. would you like it to be? All right. So I don't know at, if I see any of this. If I'm looking at the 19 players right now and we are expecting one of LGP or Figal to go, I am looking at 18 players. My back line looks like Kieran Gibbs, Christian McCoon, one of Figal and LGP, and then a right back that they bring in because there's literally not a right back on the roster at the moment. So they have to bring in somebody. Um, but with that said, that's my that's my back line in a four two three one, and I think that you're you're solid if you bring in a but, right back. Who, but that's interesting because Figal has played right back. I wouldn't, right. but I would. Okay, listen. This is this is a very interesting topic with Nico Figal on right back. Alex, we went back and forth um, last year about it. If this was 2020 Austin, I'm saying you know what, keep LGP and Figal and throw Figal in at right back. That's my off season like brain. That's where it goes. However, I want to be pragmatic in these situations because I have to understand the reality of the situation at the club at the moment with the sanctions. I wasn't calling for Nico Figal to be a right back knowing they were being fined and allocation money was being taken away. With both of those guys, we've already discussed. It's unrealistic for Figal and LGP to both be on the roster. It's just unrealistic at this point. Um, So I'm I'm taking the chance on Christian McCoon and him to further his development. We already know he's a proven starter in this league. He's done it for the latter half and even more so this season, I'm okay with pairing in with one of Figal and LGP and with no right back on the roster. If Figal was on, let's say 300 K compared to whatever. Sure. I'll take Figal as a right back option, but right now there's seems like there's nobody there. That's a position they're going to have to eye. Um, I, I, that's, I mean, ideally that's my back line. I have Gibbs, I have McCoon, I have one of LGP or Figal, and then I have a right back that they bring in. Then you look at the substitutes. I guess you have Joven Jones. If he can recover from the knee injury, you have um, another guy that we had talked about, Ian Frey, uh, Gyro Quinteros is coming back from loan. And then you have Ryan Shawcross who may, or we'll talk about that situation in a bit. But can, can I just jump in real fast? Yeah, Because I like the three at the back. So throw McCoon, LGP, Mabika, and then have Frey and Quinteros as your backups. I don't have to talk about defense anymore. I don't, need, I don't need any of that. And the Frey cool and thing Quinteros is, are unproven, though. Quinteros has played in a back three for Bolivia, though. Like, okay. he's been the central mid uh, defender in that back three, and he's played pretty okay there. He's well, been pretty, pretty well. Good. I yeah, mean, yeah. Bolivia's so, been a good want, team, but, like, uh, he's been pretty good. Yeah, but when you look at the Bolivian national team and how defensive they have to play in the con- – or not con- – sorry, conmebol qualifiers, that's not a, a, a system that Phil Neville wants to deploy for Inter-Miami at all. Like, yeah, it, he wants to- that 4-2-3. Four, he wants three, the 4-2-3-1, three, one, but yeah. even if he does play, let's say, a 5-4-1 or however you want to call it, 3-4, whatever, it's not going to be as defensive as a bottom-tier South American – uh, uh, country. And when Austin gets a bunch of Bolivian I, I can only say that because Ecuador is <laughs> sitting in third place in the table right now, and I'm extremely yeah. happy. <laughs> but yeah, that's it's an intriguing conversation. Um, yeah, it defense, it, it's going to be a huge issue going to 2022 because we know how many goals it remind me has leaked this season with, you know, the 5-1 thrashing from Nashville and, and New England, uh, the not the win, which was surprising, the 5-0 uh, loss to New England in the middle of the summer. So, yeah, it, it's interesting. And, you know, 
whatever happens, Neville has said 100%. It will be on. It will be his team completely, like verbatim. That's what he said. So um, it'll be intriguing who uh, him and Chris Henderson decide to bring in. So yeah, next next up on the list um, is somebody. I don't know how much time we need to spend on other than giving him a ton of praise for what he did this season. That is, um, I like to call him El Capitao, the Brazilian word for or the Portuguese word for for captain Gregory, who who stepped in as captain um, uh, during that that really tough stretch of six losses, and I mean really. He's the MVP of 2021. If we, if we look at it, uh, Gregory was a solid mainstay in the, in the lineup. He was always a consistent performer. Um, didn't get forward as much as he did when he was playing with Bahia, but however, he was one of the best pressurers in the league. If you look at the numbers um, as a defensive midfielder, such a solid piece, somebody that they're going to build around, especially if we do see this four, two, three, one formation next year. Guys, give me your praise for Gregory and what we expect from him in 2022. I, you know, I love how we talked about, I mean, he's in the 97th percentile of pressures. So when you talk about like that statistic, that's just insane. I mean, he's one of the best in the league. He's 94th in the percentile for tackles. He's 83rd in clearances. So like as a defensive midfielder, he was very good. Um, the, the, the part that gets me is the creation. It didn't really happen. Uh, only 0.4 XG over the entirety of the season. I would like to see him get forward a little more. I understand sort of like his role as a holding midfielder that he had to do it too much. But like, I would like to see that possession and advancement and, and how you can balance that so that he could progress things forward. I don't know, Alex, if you agree with that, but like defensively, it was okay. Attackingly, I was a, a little bit left wanting. It wasn't poor. It just wasn't as much as I would have hoped for. Yeah, and we know Gregory has that in, in his bag. You know, there was that one assist he got, um, I believe it was against Cincinnati, where he put in a really good cross to, was it Breck Shea, and he scored. So Gregory has that in his locker. He just wasn't able to get as forward as much, mainly because he's been playing alongside uh, Blaze Matuidi and Matuidi held it back, and, right? Like, let's just be honest. Yeah, you have to look at his partners and, and like say the that, literal, that was probably... The literal holding you back is, is what he has. We'll talk on Blaze Matuidi later, but yeah, it's just, he's not really had a solid midfield partner. I know Jean Mata, it's not been confirmed yet, but he's not been with Santos. He's not been starting with them for the last, what, couple weeks. So it's not confirmed, but it, it it's going to happen. You know, maybe John Mata gets here and he plays better with the fellow Brazilian. John Mata is more of a box-to-box guy anyway. Uh, you know, they could be after other central midfielders as well. So, you know, Gregory just wasn't able to play his game solely because of his midfield partnership. He's, you know, he's had to play that holding midfield role because, well, his, his central midfield partner is not they're not capable of, uh, you know, doing that, you know, you hold, I'll hold, you go, uh, you hold, I'll go sort of double pivot that you need in order to play a four, two, three, one, uh, four, two, three, one. So yeah. Um, as the off season continues, you'll, you'll see, you know, maybe Miami sniffing around the league for another, uh, central midfielder. I, we've talked about this a couple of times, maybe like a guy like Alex ring maybe would be, you know, really good for Come Miami. On. You're, you're, that's not fair. You can't <laughs> be my guy. 
You can't Isn't name he, my guy. You I'll, know I'll I want Alex Ring. Joe Corona or, you know, a young Grey Goose of, of, of that sort, you know, that would be good for Miami. But like I said, it all depends. It sanctions and salary wages. It it all depends. But yeah, Gregory. Uh, yeah, he just needs a good central midfield partner at this point. It, yeah, that's that, that's pretty much it. He's been brilliant for Miami so far. Yeah, and I only expect him to to be just as good next year, especially if there is um, a partner like let's say Mata or Alex Ring. Um, going forward, there, there's there's uh, there's a lot to lot to take away from what his partner and how much what what his partners have been with Jay Chapman gone and Victor Uyola gone and having their contracts decline. You know that they're in the market for midfielders at this point. Um, with Gregory and Matuidi being the only two on the roster right now. Uh, moving on, our next name is the one and only Gonzalo Higuain. 12 goals, nine assists, 21 goal contributions this year. Um, the number nine on this roster, and it doesn't seem like he's going anywhere. Federico, his brother, announced his retirement. Nothing from Gonzalo at this point. You're not really going to be able to offload him either. It just seems like he's going to be the striker in 2022. Uh, what does Gonzalo Higuain mean for this team? I mean, did he produce? I mean, he produced numbers, right? But did he produce performances and did he produce numbers in the wins column? That's where I'm skeptical. I think that the most important part of this conversation with Gonzalo, because let's just be honest, Gonzalo Iguini is going to be the striker in 2022. I think that we should like quickly just put that to bed and understand that. I think the more important part is understanding who's going to be the number 10 behind him and who they bring in to be that number 10 behind him. And once you start to understand that, once you start to realize that it's more important who's going to be the distribution for Gonzalo to succeed in 2022. The more important, like all of whatever Gonzalo is going to do is going to matter. And so I, I, I don't really necessarily take what he did in 2021. I, I think it was fine, was good, maybe not great. But like whatever he's going to do in 2022 is predicated upon the fact of who that number 10 is that they're going to I think that we can like safely understand they're going to have in 2022 like th th there's going to be a number 10 that's going to circle this this sort of uh relationship that, that that's going to happen I think that social media has sort of told us that I think that there's a lot of things that have happened here and there uh to to understand that that there's going to be a 10 pivot that's going to understand how this is going to work. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, I will say Gonzalo, he got his numbers, you know, he had 12 goals, what, six, six, six assists, nine, uh, nine, assists, nine, assists, nine assists. So 12 goals, nine assists. He got his numbers. And I wrote in my recent um, end of season roster uh, season, you know, review that, you know, without Gonzalo's goals and assists, Miami would have been, what even lower in the Eastern conference than they are uh, sitting on 26 points instead of 41, which is when Ian talks about, you know, having a number 10 that can distribute and, you know, people saying, Oh, we'll talk about Rodolfo Pizarro later, but talking about, you know, Oh, we should get Rodolfo a full year without Gonzalo, Ben Gonzalo. Pizarro has not been producing either. You know, he's, uh, his goals and assists is they're not, they've not 
he's not produced so you know well, it's just uh, frustrating because it doesn't feel like the two of them work together they like, don't it, it just it winds up it, we, like, we and know they don't will film. tell you himself at this point with all of the tweets he's liking but they yeah. just don't work <laughs> they don't work together and it, it's obvious and uh <laughs> it's it, it's just weird because bizarro does have quality but even last season it, it came in bits you know in, in like sporadic uh, uh, you know, moments. And with this season with Gonzalo, it just, you know, we, we saw Gonzalo play better with Federico, who is definitely, Federico is more of a number 10 distributor. Presaro, he wants to play as a, a second striker at this point. So it, it's just tricky. And, you know, you know, with Gonzalo, he needs someone to distribute for him. And that's why he, he dropped so deep multiple times, uh, you know, and that's why Robbie was placed in a, a predicament where he's not comfortable playing back to goal because Gonzalo at, at periods of time, he was the only number 10 on the field. So you see how it's a domino effect of this guy doesn't do his job. Then this guy has to get shifted here. And it's, I don't think the average fan understands that it, that soccer is a game played with 11 men and you can't just have one individual doing this thing and, and the other doing this. And it, it just doesn't work like that. They need to be a, those you know what like a wheel it, it there's different components so with, with gonzalo like ian said he will be the striker next season you know what the, this is you know you know when the, the team's not going to buy him out and he's not they're not going to be and so it all indicates on them finding a number 10 i don't know if it'll be you know there's reports about rafael vega i don't know if it'll be him or someone else but it has to be a number 10 that's able to distribute and get along with gonzalo because that's that's going to be your main strike force next season so um it's not so much that you know gonzalo didn't play well he played well but you know he, he just needs you know uh, someone to play alongside him in order to get you know more out of him because we know he can score goals if he's if he's motivated and on but it, it just comes down to getting that number 10 that's able to distribute to him yeah so they're kind of taking an approach where it's reverse to what it was when they started off their their mls campaign they signed the number 10 and then signed the number nine and now they have the number nine we're expecting i think we've done enough bizarro talk we're expecting him to leave especially after after all of his liked tweets about his quote-unquote hatred for for playing alongside gonzalo higuain i mean he's 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 just he's gone out and said it without yeah no he's he's he's, he's really yeah, he's really just gone it's on. It's been aggressive. Said, it's been <laughs> like too- I would be surprised if Neville hasn't called him into the Inter Miami offices to well, just say, "Hey, chill out a bit." I mean, he hasn't. Like, it's literally still going on, probably till this second. It's um, uncomfortable. Like, you can hear all of the uncomfortability in our voices. Like, it's very uncomfortable because he has created this situation where he clearly does not like this person and is posting it on social media and yet like what do you do about that like how do you you appropriately talk about it right of course you sell him like that's it you sell him and and that's what i think that the the approach that the club is going to take um but like back to my point you know the number 10 was brought in number 10 was brought in with bizarro and then the number nine and then now we're going into a season where the number nine is here they need to bring in a number 10. Will that formula work better? Well, 
we we can only hope so at the, at the end of the day we can only hope so um especially with Higuain aging at this point and pro and potentially i mean people were calling for his retirement at the end of this season i believe he's under contract for at least one more year no idea what's going to happen after that but like you guys said it looks like Higuain's going to be the striker in 2022 and that's just the reality of the situation and that's how the club has to progress um going into 2022 finding him a number 10 who is not named rodolfo pizarro with that said we're moving on now um to a player that we barely got to see this year, uh, Jovan Jones, uh, left back. We did a little bit of Kieran Gibbs talk with Jovan Jones. He was brought in uh, early on in the season, him and his other fullback partner on the opposite side, Calvin Leardon from Seattle. What do we think about Jovan Jones now? I mean, he hasn't gotten a lot of opportunity to play. Um, I believe there were times when he was playing with Seattle, especially in that final a couple of years ago where he was, you know, up the field like entirely as a winger. Like it almost reminds me of what Sergio Des is doing now with Barca. What, what do we think about Jovan Jones? And is there a place for him in 2022 behind whatever left back is the starter? Um, good question. Um, like I said, it's all down to salary really. And, and how well he recovers from that knee injury. They've never officially told him, you know, told the media that he was out for the season, but, uh, you know, if you look on his social media, he's been in a, a knee brace for months and it's probably an ACL MCL injury. It's nothing confirmed, but it, it's definitely a knee injury. So, um, <clears throat> you know, going back to the Kieran Gibbs talk, I think, you know, he's been injured, you know, he's been injured so many times this season that, you know, you know, the backup left back has gotten, you know, which is Breck Shea, Gadiri, they've gotten so much, you know, time on the pitch that, you know, I think that Jovan Jones, there, there is maybe a place for him, you know, because Kieran is not, he probably won't get through a full season without an injury. And, you know, when Noah Allen gets brought up, he, you know, he's still maybe a bit too young to, to start fully. So maybe Jones can be that stopgap uh, between that. So, um, yeah, and he's on, you know, not that much money. You know, he's on more money than Gibbs. But, yeah, I, I just think it depends on, you know, how well he heals and whether or not the team's going to bring him back. Because he is on, you know, you know, 200 272 i'm terrible with numbers but 278,100 uh you know you know that's his wage so uh yeah i just think it's yeah it, it all depends but i'd like to have to have him back as that stopgap between you know a gibbs noah allen and then jovan jones can be that you know that rotational guy uh his really quick his base salary is 107 or is sorry is $180,000. So I don't know if that means that's the number that's counted or the guarantee and compensation. I believe it's, it's the base, base, but yeah, it's, it's the base. base. So it's 180,000. I, I don't, I don't see it happening. Um, I, I'll just be honest. I just don't see it happening. Um, I, I'm Joven Joe's has had an incredible career and none of that should be taken away from him. Um, but th this is a serious injury late in his career, and that is never a good recipe for success. So, like, I, like I, I feel for the guy. Like, I understand it. I, I hope that he's able to do it, but that's that's not a situation that normally winds up well. And it's not, unfortunately, it's not a situation that 
inter Miami want to look at and say, all right, we need to rely on Jovan Jones as a backup. Um, that's, that's kind of tough to do given the, the standing in which he's in right now that Ian just mentioned with the injury later on in his career, but it's, it's a tough, it's a tough world sometimes in, in sports and athletics. And unfortunately that's just how it is. However, he is under contract. So we'll have to see how the club um, deals with that. Now a player that I'm sure we're going to have fun talking about uh, is Christian McCoon. Christian McCoon is up next and I have to just sit here and give a formal apology to Christian himself because in the beginning of the season, even when we started this podcast, I was not a fan. I was not. I I, I didn't want him on the roster. I, I am hysterically <laughs> laughing because I remember your rants about him. And yes. like, oh and they my were, God, that's they were so very, funny. They were repetitive and they kept coming. And to say that he made me eat my words is an understatement. Like he has made me almost feel bad. No, I do feel bad. Not almost, I do feel bad because this guy has developed in a way that I could have never expected. Um, and he just, I, I, I have, I'm at the point now, if you go and take like a couple of our first podcasts and you clip some of the things I said, and now I'm sitting here on November 15th saying Christian McCoon is a starter that I want in November, in 2022, whatever happened in these six months, I, I don't know what it is, but it did happen. And I am doing the dinosaur all the way around. I want to buy his Jersey with the number four on it. I want to do everything. Um, Christian McCoon, my guy, I'm sorry. And I, I really, really hope the best for you going forward. We, we want you here as an Inter Miami player. You're young, you're talented, you seem committed to the cause, um, and you have proven so many people wrong, including myself uh, this season. I, I can't say enough good things about you. Now, let's take it down a notch. I'm going to stop the praise for a second. There are things that we do have to worry about at times, but we have worried about literally every single player that we've talked about so far. For me, it's developing the passing range. I, I think that that's something that is, and playing out the back for Christian McCoon is something that I want to see an improvement on. But as a defender and as a, a, a force at the back, I'm completely fine with him being the center back. It's just, we, I mean, we even talked about it with, with Gregory and him going forward. Can McCoon be a player that you use to play out the back? We saw that that's what Neville wanted to do. And then there was a shift in that with Nick Marsman playing long balls despite, instead of playing the short balls. And I think that that had to do with some of the, the passing ranges of the defenders and even the midfielders at times. So uh, give me your guys' thoughts on Christian McCoon, our starting center back in 2022. Brilliant. I'm very happy that he developed into the player that he is and still developing. You know, he had a hard 2020, so I'm just happy to see him, you know, fulfill that potential that, you know, um, that inter Miami saw in him, what, uh, two years ago. Um, he's without a doubt the starter next season. Uh, it's just a matter of who's going to be a center back partner. Um, likely LGP, maybe Mabika, maybe Conteros. We don't know, but yeah, I'm, I'm super happy with him. He's been a rock at the back. He's got called into the Venezuela national team that shows, you know, how far he's, he's gotten in, in regards to his, to his development. So yeah, there's, I've got nothing but praise for McCoon, really. You know, he's been one of the brighter spots in a dark, uh, rather, you know, drab season for Miami. So, um, yeah, I'm happy for him. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to see him continue to develop. And he's uh, he's not on a lot of money either, which is 
you know, he's on less than some of, you know, these, you know, like Shawcross, he's on less than him. He's on less than Jovan Jones. So it, it's not only is he good, he's a bargain. And our, our fear is that other teams will be sniffing around come next next before he gets off. So, yeah, uh, and remind me better enjoy him while he can. Next season, he will definitely be here. And uh, I think we're all excited to see him continue to develop into the player that uh, we know that he can be. Like what? What is your what? What's the not good, Austin? Like, I, I, honestly, to me, everything that I've seen has been enticing. I would say it's when he has the ball at his feet, it comes down to okay. If I'm getting pressured, I can't do anything about it, and I'm going to kick it out or I'm going to kick it long, and hope for the best. And sometimes his passes are just off the mark if he does have time and space. And I think that there are. There, there's just room for improvement. And that's not, I'm not, it's not a knock on Christian McCoon. He's super young and he's got so much time. And I think that it's not even like a bad part to his game. He plays the safe option most of the time and he doesn't lose the ball. Like he does, he doesn't do the LGP Figal things where he just outright loses the ball and plays an awful pass. That doesn't happen, which is a plus. However, the passes turning into something or the long balls or, or clearances turning into something when he does get pressured can be a bit frustrating when there may be a better outlet or a better choice. But I do think that him being safe, him being conservative at times can be a really good thing. He's almost the opposite in terms of how he advances the ball when they're in possession as compared to Nico Figo and LGP. Um, but maybe I just want a better ball playing center back. And that that's just my personal, like that's just my personal, um, feeling and and what I want but I I still really love Christian McCoon as a player so guys let's talk goalkeeping I I I know we kind of talked about it earlier but like Nick Marsman came in mid-season replaced John McCarthy no longer with the team what do we think of the job that Marsman did I've talked a lot about um that, that I thought that some of the criticism wasn't really fair but statistically is marginal at best um, how, how do we feel about like his distribution based off that in terms of crossing based off that and where we want to go with, uh, how we think about it, knowing that Drake calendar is the only other option right now, if it's not the op, we talked about it earlier. Uh, but, but knowing that that's sort of where the club is heading. Yeah, with with Marsman, um, extremely happy with with what he's done. I'm happy that the club brought him in, um, especially on the wages that he's on. And I think that he's a really quality goalkeeper that has outstanding goal saving ability, um, has proven to be a good distributor, although our standards as inter-Miami analysts are pretty low. Um uh, but there are also times where, you know, we have to talk about the crossing aspect. And when he is not, I guess that's where he's the least comfortable. And when we, we have a comparison in John McCarthy, who we saw for inter Miami as well, he just seems to be more of a commanding keeper on crosses and things like that. And with Marsman, that's not fully there. That's the, they're just different kinds of goalkeepers, which is, which is different. Marsman, however, can play as an 11th player. He can start an attack with his own feet. And that's something that um, I'm sure Neville is going to want to build on. That's the type of soccer that he wants to, I should say. 
I, I think that Arsman is the goalkeeper for the next two to three years. I, I don't think that that's a question to be had unless his contract, whatever his contract was signed, let him play it out fully. And if it's still at a time where you still think he can contribute, he, he can contribute, you extend him and let him go. I mean, that that's a guy that you have solid. And if you want to build under him, calendar is the guy to do so i'm happy with marzin more than content um just like i was content with with john mccarthy last year but uh, i i'm very i'm more than content uh with with nick marzman right now yeah not much to say about nick he's been really good um uh yeah he's been good crossing wise yeah he's a bit suspect we know uh mccarthy was better in the air in regards to that mccarthy's downfall was not being able to distribute out of the back uh which you know which which was an element of Neville's uh, playing style that he wanted. And now he's got that with Nick Marsman and yeah, there's, you know, he's been brilliant. You know, he's a nice guy to talk to. He's gives very candid quotes, which is a typical Dutch thing. You know, they're, they're just blunt, but not rude. Uh, You know um, yeah. Hopefully he recovers well. He does have that, that knee contusion. You see him in the uh, knee brace. He was at the Dolphins game the other day with a couple other of Miami players. Um, hopefully he recovers well. And uh, I, I think once he gets that long off season, you know, he came straight from Feyenoord to Inter Miami without a real rest period. So his body's just broke down on him. You know, with this off season, I, I believe preseason starts or, or training camp starts on January 17th. Um, he'll got he'll have, you know, this month off next month and a couple of weeks in January just to rest, recoup, go see his wife and, and, and kids and, and you know, just chill out until the, the next season starts. And I, I do guarantee you that he'll he'll be better than he, he was this year. Yeah, so let's let's get on to Marsman. Easy to talk about, uh, probably the goalkeeper. Let's get on to the next player that has a last name beginning with M. There's a couple of those. I think that's like the most prevalent one. Uh, but it's Blaise Matuidi. We talked about a lack of a partner uh, with 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 Gregory, um, and Matuidi falls under that category as lack of partner. He he just is not a guy that um, produced well. He seemed to hold the team back, and he was a liability on the field. But he is a DP. He's making absurd amount of, uh, an absurd amount of money. Um, given that he is regressing, I know that the, that Alex, that's your favorite word for him, regressing. Um, thoughts on Blaise Matuidi? He's under contract, probably going to be here. Um, given something ridiculous happens, what 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 are we what are we saying about Blaze? Alex, I'm not saying anything. You have the floor. Uh well for one uh I do believe Blaze Matuidi is staying they're not they're not telling him there's no bias for him you know like he's making too much money to be bought out so you're you know Inter Miami fans are gonna have to deal with them for another year he'll he'll leave next season because that's when his contract ends yeah Matuidi I've talked about him so many times it was just signing him was just a low soccer IQ move no one in their right mind who has a soccer sensibility would have signed him even last even was it mid 2020 he's he's like at that period in time for Juventus Blaise Matuidi was playing as a left back and sporadically starting for I don't know who was coach Pirlo or Matt, uh, Allegri at the time he wasn't even a starter for Juventus so I don't know who I don't know like I've got my theories on who pushed to sign Matuidi but it was just a low soccer IQ move he's not the type of he needs to play Blaise Matuidi thrived at Juventus and Paris and PSG when he was playing in a midfield three where he had two other guys behind him that can cover for, you know, you know, just mistakes or a lack of pace or, or what have you. But in, in with Inter Miami, Neville wants to play a 4-2-3-1, a double pivot. That's not where he, 
you know, Matuidi, that's not where he's best at. Like, even in his prime, you know, with the France national team, uh, Didier Deschamps has had him playing as a what left midfield Metzala type, you know, just supporting uh, Griezmann and, and uh, Giroud up top, just, you know, with his late runs and behind him, he had, you know, Pogba and I don't know who was the DM starting for that 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 side. But, you know, he he's just a type of guy who needs support and even more so when he's gotten older. So I, I don't want just... I don't know. I don't mean to break your train of thought, but I think it was yeah. Payet. It, Dimitri Payet? There. Yeah. So he needs, he just, he needs support. And with Inter Miami's buying him, it, it just doesn't make sense. Like it was just a, a low soccer IQ move. And you can make the case for Iguain, which is fair. You know, he's, he, you know, he scores goals and he does have a lot of stuff to bring off the ball and marketing wise. But Matuidi, it just didn't make sense. Even when, you know, at the time, yes, because Miami had Will Trap and Ujoa, but, it, and he wasn't upgraded for a period of time, but with his age and just the way he plays his soccer, it just didn't make sense. So, you know, going to next season, we already talked about Jean Mata. Matuidi will probably be a rotational guy, which is fine. You know, a DP that occasionally comes in to play because he'll be 35. And it's just, it's just, yeah, it was just a, a bad move just all around. His stats, yeah, I, I've got no more words just another year of Matuidi you know he'll come off the bench which is fine for his age and his role and yeah I, I won't doubt that Inter Miami will be after another central midfielder this offseason too just to, to cover up for that I think his best performances came off of the bench this season now granted they weren't great but I believe he came off the bench in the Orlando game at home um, and then there might have been another one that I'm, I'm missing here but uh, yeah it, it's it's a really rough situation that there's there's not much not much anybody can do about it he's there and you have to live with the 2020 mistakes that 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 front office made because the only thing that I want to say is is the the report of when that incident happened can't happen again like as long as that doesn't happen again i don't even know if it's true or not but when he reportedly left it at when he was subbed off like Mm -hmm. no no more of that like if this is the last year of your deal you're here for the club and and that needs to be a little more of a consonance of like respect for this club that, that that's the only thing everything else aside i'm like totally everything alex said I, I i totally get but like that incident isn't how you treat a club if, okay. if, if it's reportedly true i didn't report it you didn't report it she didn't report it if it's reportedly true i don't know i'm not saying that it is i'm saying if it is then that can't happen again Agreed. hundred percent. I think every fan would, would agree with you if that was the case that that happened on that, on that night. Um, let's, let's move on from a tweety. I don't want to, I don't want to hang our heads any more that we have to uh, let's move on to the 2020 MVP uh, in Lewis Morgan got a contract extension and a pay raise uh, this off season and was not the player in 2021 that he was in 2020. Granted, he was given a right wing back role for a good chunk of the year. Um, and he just seemed to, I don't know, even when he did get forward, there was only that really one glimpse of 2021 in him uh, in the Atlanta game on Mother's Day uh, this season where he just dribbled through everybody and scored a goal. And 
you know, for Lewis, it's not something that Miami fans were used to. Um, but you know, we use the term regressing for Matuidi. It just seemed like it was a natural regression for Morgan, but that's because of his regression in his role. I mean, he was asked to do a ton of defensive duties uh, given the the situation within the back line and Neville having to switch formations. Uh, Lewis Morgan has a ton of potential, a ton of quality, and we know what he can do. He didn't produce this year. What does that mean for him, especially given the fact that the club gave him more money and when he got more money, didn't produce more quality. So here's my question. Where does Lewis fit in this team moving forward? I, because I don't, I like he, he's a fan favorite. He's the heart and soul of this team. He's played more minutes. He's played like, I think every game started, every started game. every game for this team. I, so heart and soul, like think like, Oh my God, like, thank you for everything you've done. But I, I'm just like, I'm wondering where he fits with what they're going to try and do moving forward. And, and so like it, it sort of starts this conversation of what does this team look like in 2022? Because I just don't really know what he he's played so many roles. And if they're saying now that they're going to play, like they're they're going to establish Phil's style. I I just I guess I don't know if I see where he is supposed to be. And so let me look. Can I ask you something? We we know that if there's a fourth back formation deployed, Lewis Morgan is not, not the playing right as he's, he's not, not the right, right back. Right. We we know that. However, going forward, at the end of the season, when he wasn't the right back in a fourth back formation, he played out on the left wing, which was opposite to where he played in 2020. Now. You look at the left wing situation, uh, potentially as Kona, potentially Robbie Robinson and Lewis Morgan. Is that something you're comfortable with? But then you look at the right side as well, and you don't really have anyone other than Morgan and Felipe Valencia. And it, it, all right, and see what this team does. Like you said, Ian, with the players that are brought in, with the idea that Phil wants to, to, to put out on this team, is Lewis Morgan a piece that fits? And that's a question to be answered through these offseason signings, in my opinion. Which I want to like pose the question to Alex more tactically because I'm I'm trying to like move the chess pieces, and I just don't see where Lewis would fit with what they're doing. And I know that that sounds crazy, but like it just like I I, I just don't know where 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 this manifests itself. He yeah. can't feed Higuain from the wings, and that, that has yeah. not worked. It hasn't no. worked. I think a lot of it's going to have to come through the middle, and I don't know if Lewis Morgan And if is... we're saying Higuain is, is the centerpiece for next year, I right. just don't understand where Lewis's role would reside. Go, yeah. go ahead, Alex. Yeah, I think um, Lewis is, you know, he's good at crossing and, you know, Higuain's play, playing style. They don't, they don't mesh well. You know, Lewis wants to, you know – Last season, it, it was okay because, you know, maybe Caronzo was playing there. Maybe he had license to cut inside more with Diego Alonso. But this season, even when he's playing centrally, you know, Lewis doesn't have, with all due respect to him, he doesn't have that sort of ball retention that can cut through defenders. So there's, you know, you guys have seen it. There's so, been so many times this season where Lewis will try to cut through the middle and his first touch will be off or he won't be able to, you know, bypass his man. Uh, the only place he's able to really do that is on the wing. And that's the main reason why Neville was able to put him at, as a wing back because 
he's got really good work rate and he's got a amazing crossing ability and you know he, he's shown that but uh, um I don't know. As far as regression goes, I, I think, like Austin said, it's due to him just being put, you know, put around the pitch everywhere and whatnot. And out of, you know, he's played the most minutes out of anyone this season and he only has two goals, one assist. Even when he's played as a as a winger, he's he's, you know, his impact on the game is it's it's it, it, I don't want to say it's not a lot, but, you know, it's not as much as it was last season. And so. You know, it's tricky because Lewis is a fan favorite and whatnot. And, you know, you know, with the sanctions coming up, you know. Well, Alex, let me interrupt you there. Let me interrupt you there. Because, like, this is my my thought process is with the sanctions coming up. I mean, I think that we all agree, like any MLS team would love to have a Lewis Morgan on their team. No. Yeah. Do do you not consider the possibility of using that as like basically sanctions relief assistance uh, if you're I, no, I, I, yeah. this is where I, I i look at the the situation where you have lgp and figa making a ton of money you want to offload one of those guys mm-hmm. you have gregory making a ton of money with tam and his his transfer fee and then you have lewis morgan who had a transfer fee as well and got a contract extension and pay raise all of those guys i mean yes with the sanctions coming up Unfortunately, the situation is you have to ponder these questions and this, think this is just where we are, right? It's just, like, yeah, it's it's just, just how just it is. Where we are, and uh, it would be, I mean, a pain, a pain to see. I mean, it's a pain for me already to say that I know that LGP or Figal are probably going to leave. Like, I mm-hmm. hate to have that in my mind because I think yeah. that that is a tandem that, or I thought it was a tandem that really could have worked. And it's two solid center backs who have proven themselves already. But one of them are going to have to go um, potentially. Obviously, there's just no reporting at all, but. The same thing goes for some of these attacking players as well. And now with Lewis Morgan in the season that he had, yeah, these questions have to be asked because he's making a ton of money. And in a year where your money is being cut on the books. But also let me cut you off because I don't even think that it, I don't even think that it has anything to do with how much he's making. I think it has to do more with like what they could get for him. Yeah, especially if, within if the they, league. They, especially yeah. within the league. If there's like, an MLS, if you have these sanctions. If you have these sanctions that are taking Tam away from you, and you possibly could get something for him within the like with Tam, like all of a sudden now this becomes a much more interesting conversation than the one that we're currently having. And you yeah. would, you would only hope that that might reign true for like, obviously we had the Figal to Tigres things, but I wouldn't rule out a possibility that a MLS team would do the same thing for one of those guys. Right, as well. Because if you yeah. sell, if you sell Figal to Tigres, you don't get any tan do relief no. in return. No. If you, if you trade Lewis Morgan within the league, you probably are going to get that tan relief. So like th- those are two separate conversations that I the think acquisition that- of allocation money is going to be extremely important. And when you're Looking at assets, unfortunately, Lewis Morgan is one of those guys going forward. And I think that there is he's another couple of one. guys you could name, but he's yeah. like the one, like the, the guy. one, especially if he yeah. doesn't fit in Neville's 4231. Yeah. Like it's hard to say if there's a really good offer for Lewis, it's hard not to see Miami at least thinking about it. I mean, but the sanctions are there, they need some cap relief. So, and Lewis Morgan is one of their best ads, assets. So it's unfortunate, but it, that's, that's the predicament Miami is in. And, you know, that's the nature of the game. 
we'll we'll have to see what transpires with that but i think that it's a situation to monitor much like much like figa much like um lgp whichever the way the club goes there and much like i our next player rodolfo pizarro uh that's another situation where you look at and say all right We've already, I mean, listen, we've already talked about Pizarro as a player and what, you know, he doesn't like Higuain. He said that through Twitter and all this kind of things, whatever. We can move past that, but let's say what, let, let's try and figure out what the situation is for him, like we're trying to do with Lewis and these other guys. The situation for Pizarro is he's got to get off the books and you've got to move him. Is it to Mexico? Is it, I, I don't think anybody in the league's really going to want him other than maybe, now call me crazy, but. RSL would would and would a West Coast team close to the border potentially go for Rodolfo Pizarro? I, I I'm I'm that is a genuine question because we know yeah. he sells shirts, right? Yeah. Yes, right. And so maybe potentially a DP transfer within the league, if that's even po- I don't even know if that's ever happened. Before. Has that happened? Um, yeah, I'm sure it has, but for for allocation money, has that happened yeah. before? I mean, it, it's that that would be something another thing to question but more realistically it's a move back to mexico and miami trying to get at least some of the money they spent back on him when they acquired him from from monterey um pizarro and thoughts on how to how to get rid of him at this point i think we've talked enough about him as a player yeah i mean i i i think that it's a done deal i i think that like chivas is probably the most likely suitor um and and that's okay like it it doesn't it doesn't have to be this way you know like it it just it didn't work out thank you for everything <laughs> like you were the first dp like it, it it just it it's a relationship that isn't working and and you know i i guess i'm a little more disappointed at the whole social media stuff like yeah that's so a big one, thing it, yeah it's so it's unnecessary just petty. And like petty yeah professional like he he's better than that and um you know they clearly don't like each other um what do you do with that i i I didn't know that until all of the social media stuff um i mean it was evident that they couldn't play well together but right the body language it's not like each other but i'm just being like point blank like i didn't know that they didn't like each other like i mean if you're gonna go on social media as a as a professional athlete that aggressively um i i didn't expect that but um you know, I, I liked Rodolfo. I, I didn't think that it necessarily ever fit like the parts around him for for his skill set. He clearly is one of those. He reminds me of Christian Eriksen, right? Like a guy that always plays better with the national team than he does with the the local team. That's and, a good point. Yeah, and, and that was always the way that it that it interacted with him. And so, you know find a suitor for him and let him go off and do his thing. And I don't see him with a club in 2022. Yeah. I, I, you, you guys know my thoughts on Pizarro. I think he's a talented player, but it's just wrong fit, wrong, wrong fit. That, you know, and the social media thing, it's just, uh, it's just petty and, you know, it just creates more of a cloud over the club than you, you don't want any more attention on Inter Miami than, you know, no more bad attention on Inter Miami than the, the club already has. So, yeah, I think, you know, Pizarro has gone, you know, for all the, the fans that are saying, oh, you know, Ben, uh, Iguain, keep Pizarro for another year. 
no, I, with him liking tweets, I think he's effectively so, shut that door down. You know, there's no way that they're going to be on the, the field together, Egoin and Pizarro next season. So, um, yeah, it's just a matter of, you know, not if it's when he, he leaves the club at this point. Yeah, I think that's enough said on Rodolfo. I don't know how much more talking we're going to be doing about him until we see that um, communicado official or whatever, you know, the Real Madrid. Thing. Like whenever he, whenever we get that tweet that he's gone, it's probably the next time we'll talk about him. It just doesn't seem like it's a it's going to happen um, for him and Inter Miami. Now, moving on. Um, Jairo Quinteros, we touched on the center back situation earlier. We did mention his time um, with the Bolivian national team club called Boliviar, if I'm not mistaken. Um, if I'm pronouncing that wrong, my apologies. I think Quinteros is a depth piece that they're probably going to try and retain on the 2020 run roster. Is another loan move in the cards or is a departure of Quinteros in any way in the cards or is it a depth piece that you guys are, are looking at in 2022? Yeah, I actually think it's a depth piece. Like, yeah. I, I think that, that now is the time, like now is when he comes into the squad. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. He's yeah. We, the, the club bottom, what in 2020, he's yet to play a single game. So yeah. Yeah. And more of, the, of a depth piece, you know, if he pulls him a coon even better, uh, which is, you know, develop into a good player uh, that we, that we know he can be. Yeah. A depth piece, nothing, nothing more. We will see him in preseason, see how he does. And if he does better than that, then, you know, of course, uh, Neville will make the decision to start him or, or not. Yeah. And I think that he's gotten a, a I mean, a good amount of minutes uh, for his club. And, and I think that his minutes with the national team definitely haven't gone unnoticed and to get a guy back who had been playing that much, um, on loan is is probably a good thing. And at 20 years old, it's a guy you look to as a depth piece now and a potential for the future. So there, there's a couple of different situations you can go with Quinteros, but we'll have to see what the club uh, decides to do. Now, getting to the last couple of players here, um, Robbie Robinson is the next one up. Now, Robbie Robinson has had a... I mean, a lot of ups and downs in his early career as a professional athlete. Remember, he came from Clemson. He was an NCAA star. I mean, won the comparison to a Heisman Trophy and NCAA soccer. I mean, this guy was a stud. Comes in uh, in 2021 or 2020, sorry, COVID, and then leaving the MLS's back tournament and really never getting under, getting onto his feet with Diego Alonso in 2021. Phil Neville just says in preseason, Robbie Robinson could be a left winger. And that's exactly where we saw him. He gets a goal in the first game against LA Galaxy right at the halftime whistle, if I remember that correctly. Um, and a couple of good performances until a couple of injuries that I think that to, to be very critical here might have been mismanaged by whether it was him or the club, but we saw that time and time again, the hamstring was giving us so many problems. And then there was the concussion and the Chile incident, just a whirlwind uh, of, of stories revolving this guy who seems to have a ton of talent. What do we think about Robbie Robinson going forward? Now I will say this, he is a generational Adidas athlete still under his rookie contract, meaning the money he's getting and the player that he is, is not going to be counted towards a salary at all. Uh, but so keep that in mind going forward. Okay. So Robbie is one of my guys. I love him. I think he's like an absolutely amazing talent. I've, I've talked about it a lot on this pod a lot. Um, I, I, I'm frustrated 
is probably the word that I would use. It, there is so much of like, no, I, I, this is like a terrible comparison, but like Ryan Leaf esque of this career going so far. Like, like not not the off field stuff. Like, I don't want to talk about that, but just like he had all of he had everything, everything that you would want in a striker, and all of it on field. I'm strictly talking on field. Everything has been just. Mm, like what is happening? Why is this working this way? And switching positions, trying to figure out where he fits in the team and all of that stuff. Like I, it, it, it's frustrating to see because he is so talented and the, the team has the affordability to keep him on the books for now, but next year probably would be a make or break year if you keep him. Uh, and, and that's sort of like the decision year, but he hasn't done well under pressure. And so understanding that the pressure is coming might do more harm than good. And that's a little bit of a cause for concern. I remember watching him in college and he looks like an entirely different player than he does at inter Miami. And so it's just like, so weird to see this. And, uh, you know, I, I wish the best for the kid. Like I said, I'm a huge Robbie Robinson fan. I think that he's a tremendous talent. I just, I hope it works out. Yeah, I think, yeah, I, we're in agreement. He's got all the intangibles to be a good soccer player, but, you know, the injuries, mismanagement, you know, the Chilean national team incident had a, you know, big effect, you know, even though he may say otherwise, you know, getting that sort of... Uh, abuse on social media on Instagram it was an entire mess you know it uh, does affect you uh, you know psychologically and I I do feel bad for him because he's got the qualities to be a good soccer player we you know we saw it um, that Toronto goal where I don't know was it Ewan that played a through ball and he basically Robinson you know eviscerated the defender it was it was Columbus Columbus I think it was Columbus Okay, but yeah, I think I have to rewatch that. But there was a goal, I don't know what team, but where he eviscerated the defender, switched it from his right foot to his left foot and finished with his off boot. Would, that's the type of... I thought uh, you, you were know, talking about the miss. My apologies. No, I thought you were talking no, no, about no. the miss. Yeah, the the, the goal against... Uh, yeah, I don't know. But yeah, like, Robbie's got all the, the, the skills to be a good football player, and it just... You know, we want to see him succeed, but, it, you know, time and time again, he's just not able to put it together sometimes. Maybe he needs a full offseason of rest and recovery, but, yeah, um, it, it, it's just mentality for him at this point. Like you guys said, he's a great college player, but, you know, he's just not been able to make it work so far. So, you know, um, yeah, it, it just – let's see where he goes at this point. You know, he's got the the quality, but – you know, he's just not been able to put it together, put it together so far. Yeah. It, I mean, we all wish the best for the kid. Uh, we know the talent he has and we want him to be successful. I mean, uh, there's a reason he was the number one draft pick and there was a reason why he was such a highly touted prospect. One of the, one of the best prospects coming out of college that we've seen in a pretty long time. Um, and I think that, there was no, like, I understand the DK things, but there was a clear cut number one in this draft. And that's not always a thing in the MLS super draft. And Robbie Robinson had, had done that. He had absolutely done that. He was the most talented kid coming out. Um, but we wish the best for him. We, we want him to succeed, but that situation there is, uh, 
one to monitor and one to look at and, you know, just cross your fingers and hope he can contribute now. And I I think that you can get some Tam out of him to, to bring that back to the Tam discussion. If you do move on that, that's a Tam look at to, yeah, to, to, to put him in a better situation would be good for him. However, you're also looking at the other side of it and say, yeah, you could probably acquire something for him. Charlotte FC. He's, Robbie's from South Carolina. Like, that's a great FC. Like, like if you're moving on, that's a that that makes total sense. I, I I don't I hope that they don't because I really like the kid, but and I hope that like he stays. But like yeah, Alex, that's like a great that's a great that, shout. Like that's that, a great point. It's a really really good point with Charlotte there coming into the league as what the 28th team in MLS, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, Last two players here. Uh, we've done enough center back talk. Ryan Shawcross dealt with a terrible, unfortunate back injury, uh, missed more than just the latter half of the season. Um, you know, making a lot of money. Can we, can we really think, I mean, is Ryan Shawcross is not a, a, a vital piece for, for the 2022 inter Miami CF team, right? Yeah, he'll probably, <sighs> He'll probably end up moving on. You know, his back injury was, you know, I, I believe one point Neville said he had to relearn how to walk. So that's that's a big deal, especially at his age and injury record. You know, does he retire? You know, we'll, we'll, we'll see. But in next season, I don't think he's not a player that uh, they'll be relying on, uh, you know, at all. I, I hope that he finds the familial love that like it was very clear with his injury that that was scarier than we knew and i hope that he and his family are okay i'm not thinking about this from a soccer standpoint anymore that uh well said absolutely well said yeah it's a when when phil neville came out and said that in that one press conference i think everybody was taken back a little bit um and when he put it into perspective and he had to think you know shawcross has kids he's got a wife he's got you know, people to think about at home um, and it for it to be tough to take care of your kids at home because you are still like, it, it's just a situation you never want to happen to any person. Um, so we wish the best for shot cross and uh, for what a situation means going on to 2022. We're not sure, but um, we'll, we'll just have to wait and see. You just kind of hope that his personal situation and his life, it is where the improvement is. Um, so we'll just go, we'll go from there. The last player on the list, uh, Felipe Valencia, somebody who, unless you follow the inter Miami, academy for the most part and you're at every single one of those games um and a couple of fort lauderdale cf games as well have not got to see a lot of um i don't know if he was even ever on an inter miami cf squad sheet this season uh but he there at 15 years old uh to be signed to a first team deal from the academy he is the homegrown guy um felipe valencia in 2022 does he have a spot on the on the on the 30 man roster or whatever he, the number he is? does he does austin the only reason that he does is because he's not going to count against the cap so he, he's going to be there and doesn't need he doesn't have a budget charge so like i like him he's very raw he's a kid he needs to like learn. He needs to get better. And and he's a he's quick. He's he's like very like Sonic the Hedgehog esque like in in his style. Um, but he, he he the only reason it'll be there is he, he he costs nothing, so it doesn't really matter for for it. Do they, Alex? Let me let me point this to you. You're the you guys are the Fort Lauderdale CF people. Do they take? Is this the Edison Ascona year for Felipe Valencia in a, a full out loan, basically to Fort Lauderdale, and let him get all the minutes in USL League One? 
Yeah, um, I, he didn't get a lot of minutes this year because I, I believe he did have a like a niggling uh, leg injury. So he they were sporadically playing him. He was just working his way back to full fitness, and he's still only fifteen, sixteen. So he's got you know, a lot to develop. So I do believe that you know he'll probably be on loan at Fort Lauderdale CF. You know, play a lot more minutes this uh, this upcoming season. And yeah, you know, uh, first team maybe a couple of games he'll, he'll be on the team sheet but yeah as far as that goes he'll you'll probably be with Fort Lauderdale uh you know just getting back up to fitness getting his uh physical side up and and mental technical uh all that all that good stuff I really do see the Escona route for for Valencia I think that that's a that's a um a route that 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 could be very beneficial but I mentioned to you before right like don't don't sleep on the the videos that the team puts out because as because as Kona was the first person that Phil mentioned when he became head coach in preseason training. He was the first one. And so you, you start to see these guys as we go around, like just, just be a little mindful of, of what's going on. All right, so that was uh, 19 up, 19 down. We have gone through the players with guaranteed contracts. Uh, they're under contract for 2022. That doesn't mean they'll be here in 2022, or maybe it does. We don't know, but we just covered it all here on the Hair and Outlet uh, podcast. Make sure you check us out every week. Check out the YouTube channel. Check out Twitter, all the Hair and Outlet stuff where we're producing a ton of content at all times. And I think the off season might even be busier than the regular season. So make sure you guys stay tuned. Uh, for Ian Hest, for Alex Winley, I am Austin Roblard. This has been the Hair and Outlet, and we will see you guys next week.